Welcome to Advantage Over, the podcast for the rugby referee community, or simply those in rugby who want to know more about refereeing. Are you ready? Time on. Hello and welcome to episode 3 of the Advantage Over podcast, the only global podcast for the rugby referee community. You're very welcome to join us um, and we've been really pleased to have so much good feedback on our interview last week with Rose Labresh who has joined us from the Women's Rugby World Cup in Ireland. Um, she gave us an insight into what it was like so if you didn't hear that interview um, trot back to wherever it is you are listening to us from um, and look at episode 2 for that interview with Rose. Uh, my name is Keith Lewis and I'm your host of the Advantage Over podcast from the rugbyreferee.net website. Um, Thank you very much for being with us. Um, someone did mention that I'd forgotten in the last episode to mention who I was, so um, apologies that I did that. Um, I've been refereeing for over 20 years now, got some pretty good level. I'm still involved at a reasonable level in England in the RFU, um, but this is a sort of independent podcast. If you want the whole whys and whereabouts of why we've started this, you can go back to episode zero, um, the first introduction episode of the Advantage Over podcast, and we'll sort of set the scene as to who I am, why I'm doing this, uh, why we're doing this, and why this podcast exists. So, coming up later in the programme, we have a really insightful interview with Ross Hambry, who's the fitness advisor to the London Society of Referees in England, um, a former England strength and conditioning coach, and we're going to, um, obviously, with those two things in his background, talk about all things to do with referee fitness, so stay tuned for that. But first, the news of the week. Um, and we should probably stick with Ireland. Um, fantastic news coming out yesterday that Joy Neville um, of Ireland will be refereeing the Women's World Cup final um, on Saturday in Belfast. The New Zealand Black Ferns will be playing the England Roses, um, which f- sets the scene to be a really fantastic uh, tie-up. If anyone's seen the, any of the Women's Rugby World Cup, there's some great rugby on show, and both those nations will be really pleased with, with getting to the final. Fantastic appointment for, for, for Joy, and she's got a great story behind her. Um, a former Ireland player and captain with over 70 caps so to have someone at that experience a level um, switching to refereeing has been great and she's um, been refereeing since 2013 um, having achieved all those great things on the playing side Um, but she's already breaking barriers from a refereeing perspective um, you may have seen the news last uh, year. Um, she became the first ever female match official in European rugby level when she was the assistant referee in the European Challenge Cup game between Bath and Bristol. Um, so great for Joy to be keeping on growing and developing as a referee. Um, day job, she's the rugby referee development officer and one of the rugby referee development officers for Munster Rugby. Um, and she'll be um, taking the field on Saturday night um, if you're listening to this on Friday or Saturday uh, I'm sure if it's past that if you're listening in the future you'll be able to look back and see how that game went um, there, uh, Joy will be accompanied by assistant referees Holly Davison from Scotland um, and Australia's Graham Cooper who refereed the semi-final match between England and France so um, two, two great officials to, to look after Joy on the field and in the TV truck Simon McDowell from Ireland um, takes that honour so it should be promises to be a great match congratulations to Joy uh, I think she might be she might listen to the podcast uh, from something I saw so um, well done Joy congratulations on your appointment and here's uh, fingers crossed from all in the rugby referee community for a great event for you and for rugby so um, sticking with Ireland oh sorry before I move on to that um, an eagle Eye correspondent asked me um, during the week um, why is it that the officials are still giving um, a signal to the scrum half to put the ball in um, 
We talked about um, two shows ago the new laws that are coming in the Northern Hemisphere from the 1st of August. Um, so people were expecting the full gamut of new laws to be trialled during the Women's World Cup, which started after the 1st of August. Because of the late introduction, the late announcement of those um, new laws that came into play, um, they decided not to introduce the new si uh, six or seven extra ones, which includes the um, change to the scrum put-in law. Um, so they're only playing the laws that we saw over the, in all the summer internationals um, and the British Lion Lions tour. So that's why um, the referees are still signalling to the um, to the scrum halves to put the ball in the scrum and those other extra laws that didn't translate into the Women's World Cup. Um, so that's why. So thank you for asking that question. There is your answer. So let's stick with Ireland for the time being and the, because uh, this is the where, where the body's based. So Celtic Rugby, um, the new look Pro 14. Uh, last week eventually got around to it announcing that Greg Garner, um, former full-time professional referee in the um, England of Eva Premiership, was to take over as the head of elite referees um, for the Pro 14. I found a really, really strong appointment. Um, Greg's very experienced match official as a full-time pro referee um, in England since 2008, um, taking charge of well over 115 um, top-flight Aviva Premiership matches, 15 internationals, 40-plus European um competitions as, a, as both a referee and a, a match official so some um, a really experienced appointment there um, he has did do an MBA in sports science sports management um, over the last few years so he's got the, the sort of academic and the administrative background to go with it um, so it's it, it's it, from what from what we heard um, there were lots of people and uh, lots of strong competition from around the officiating world um, with some other former professional referee names being touted as possible contenders so um, uh, a really good appointment for Greg and congratulations to him on that. It's probably worth just, just pointing out one of the things that we spotted in the announcement um, on the Pro 14's announcement was about the, the issue of neutrality. Um, we often saw commentary in the old Pro 12 well, whilst the referee appointments were um, always neutral or as neutral as they could possibly be so out of country where there was a clash um, or so, um, where, where it was possible to do that. There's, there's a strong emphasis in both Greg's comments in the release and David Jordan, the tournament director um, of the neutral, neutral officials across there. Um, they already have a stated official to have full-time match officials, full-time professional match officials as part of the Guinness Pro 14. Um, and that's obviously a stated desire that they look to do. Not all of the those involved are full-time. That's obviously where they're looking to move to. But there's also a strong point about neutrality. Um, so I think there'll be a, a stronger pool to play with. We know that the South African Premier List is now joining the um, the strong panel they already have. So I think that will really bring that neutrality point to bear across all the uh, the official appointments on the Pro 14 games. Um, so referees, assistant referees and TMOs as well. Um, so a big job for Greg there. Um, he has obviously big shoes to fill as he stepped in from uh, Med Morris, uh, Ed Morrison, who obviously former World Cup final referee and a, um, administrator through the RFU again um, in his past. But a, some big shoes for Greg to be filling there. I know he's looking forward to, to doing that. The final piece of referee news um, was actually well, it's actually more about a law change that World Rugby have just um, announced in the last couple of days about new um, well, about a new law formalising the um, concussion protocol head injury assessment, um, and that's been they've been trialling different lengths. Whether it was I think 13 minutes in the um, Premiership in the UK, 10 minutes to some extent to some um, 
areas the protocol was written in where there was a HIA protocol in place that there was no minimum or maximum times um, time windows for those tests to be conductive. World Rugby have now changed the um, the law book and they're now mandating that where a HIA protocol is being used it must be a 10 minute window at no less uh, no more. So if you're leaving the field because it's been identified that there's been a possible concussion um, incident then you must take 10 minutes um, to make sure the tests are fully carried out and that you are safe to return to play. So that's what's happening. It starts from the 26th of August, so Saturday. I think last week the um, Rugby Championship um, games were carried out into this protocol, um, although there was an incident involving Sonny Bill, Bill Williams in the New Zealand game where he did take a knock early in the game, um, but nobody match officials, doctors, medics, the independent doctors on site, none of the broadcasters saw, noticed that there was an incident there and withdrew him from the field of play. They've had a, Sanzar have had a good look at that incident. They've determined that there should, he should have left the field, he should have been tested. Um, he's, the New Zealand um, authorities have said that um, Sonny Bill has been going through the return to play protocols in any case um, but he wasn't removed and, and everyone has been reminded of their responsibilities um, across the game and, and this is a subject that we're going to be coming back to on the Advantage Over podcast in the coming weeks we're, we're trying to line up um, a look at um, concussion a look at um, various methods that people are using around rugby um, to deal with concussion there's a blue card trial being um, trialed by referees used by referees for people they think might be concussed and we're hoping to speak to somebody about that in a future edition so keep peeled uh, keep your ears and eyes peeled for that and some appointments news it's the uh, second weekend of the rugby championship 2017 there was um, some changes to the referee appointments because uh, Jerome Garcet had to withdraw after injuring a calf in the uh, a warm-up game to the Pro 14 so the top 14 in France um, so his withdrawal meant that Wayne Barnes last week refereed the Australian-New Zealand game and the second part of that reshuffle is that Nigel Owens now takes charge of tomorrow's game where New Zealand um, face Australia at Dunedin um, he'll be assisted this time by Wayne Barnes they've swapped roles there uh, with Andy Brace on the other line and Rowan Kitt in the TV truck um, and over in um, uh, Salta in Argentina Pascal Gauzet takes charge of his appointment um, of uh, Argentina South Africa um, ably assisted by uh, Francis Roman Poit and uh, Nick Berry his first appointment in the rugby championship um, so congratulations to him on the first of many I'm sure um, appointments for him um, in such levels of rugby um, Glenn Newman is the TMO in the truck so that's a roundup of the latest news in the refereeing sphere if you've got news you want to feature um, on the podcast, let us know. Um, we're always willing to take news of the day, um, news of the week, what's news in your area about refereeing. We'd love to broadcast it and, and, and let the world know about what's going on. So drop us a line at ref at advantageoverpodcast.com and we can broadcast your news on a future episode. So now let's head over and speak with Ross Hambry, fitness advisor to the London Society of Referees, to talk all about referee fitness. <laughs> So welcome, Ross Hambry, to the um, Advantage Over podcast. Uh, you're our second guest um, on, on the podcast, so you're very welcome to join us. Um, 
The first question uh, we like to ask is how you've got into refereeing, and I guess your answer to that might be a different one to um, the one that other guests that we might have on the show in the future um, or in the past. So how did you get involved? Yeah, so um, I'm not, to begin with, I'm not a qualified referee. Uh, I've come from the other side of the game, so I played a high level of rugby, sort of at a junior level, representing Quinns and a few sort of the, of the army teams. Um, so that's my kind of background with rugby. And through my sort of sports science roles and my other role as a personal trainer, I've worked with a couple of rugby referees. And then one of them just invited me down to speak to the group at London Society. And then one thing led to another. And yeah, I was providing the guys the support and they signed me up full time, so to speak. And yeah, six years later, I'm looking after a good sort of three, four hundred of the guys now. So, so you're the uh, official PT for the London Society, is that correct? That's correct, yeah. Fitness advisor for London Society. So, and anyone that's been following either you or them on across the social media channels will see that you've been working them pretty hard in the in the pre-season window that we're in in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, yeah. How did you start that process off? How did you get into them, and and what what is it that you do with with the with London Society? Yeah, I, I think it's uh, important first to point out we've got a sort of a wide range of physical abilities across the society. So really, I just try and support the guys sort of with whatever they really need. So some guys will be pushing to work across the national leagues and some guys will be working more at sort of a local level. So it's really making sure they've got a program that sort of fits where they are, what sort of time they've got available, um, what sort of facilities they can work with. Yeah, so as I said, just just helping the guys, supporting them with whatever they need, really. Um, obviously, taking into account sort of any sort of injuries the guys might have um, is paramount. Some of the guys might have different sort of goals. They might want to sort of really sort of focus on weight loss to begin with in the pre-season. That might have been something that was identified early on some of them might want to work on some acceleration stuff so it's really just sort of guiding them giving them the best sort of practice that suits them i think it's a really good point it would be very easy when we talk about fitness and refereeing to only focus on those at perhaps the elite level or those who who want to get to the elite level um listeners listeners to this podcast will be of of all shapes and sizes at every stretch of um their refereeing development so it's important that we we do cater for all all those different needs um, obviously, in the, in the north and with the society that you're dealing with, we are um, heading into the middle of August, um, well deep into pre-season. Pre- obviously, the northern, uh, the southern hemisphere listeners will be heading just towards the end of their season, so they've now got a, a summer break uh, or winter break to, to come through before they even start thinking about pre-season. Is pre-season the key to refereeing success? Do you think? I think it's a very big piece of of the puzzle, definitely. I I think it's key to get a good sort of six weeks underneath your belt, get that aerobic capacity up nice and high, and then it's a lot easier to maintain things during the season as the demands placed on referees nowadays with social life, work commitments, if they're not uh, involved so much in the programme, as that stuff starts to come on board. If you've banked a good sort of six weeks of particularly aerobic and flexibility work in the pre-season that's set you up so so well during the season so so for me that that's what i really like to get in the guys and girls uh, within the uk making sure that they've got a good 
number of kilometers in the leg so they can really just keep things ticking over really with a couple of short mm. sharp sessions every week when it comes to in season and and is, is that the sort of program you do a six week and how many times a week if, if people are just thinking about um starting starting pre-season now perhaps a little bit late or, or prepping for um, next, next season um to say what sort of what does a six-week program sort of look like and obviously it'll be different for um, individual needs yeah, let's give you sort of general overview. Typically, we look to get the guys and girls doing three sessions a week. And the minimum requirement is that each session sort of comprises of at least 20 minutes uh, aerobic work and six minutes anaerobic work. And that's really, you know, the reason why I've come up with those numbers, that's based on the research. So that's minimum dosage required. So we're looking at minimum um, dosage required to get those aerobic and anaerobic gains. That's what you need to be hitting per session. So that's really so we start, only 25, 25 minutes three yeah, times a week is, is all we're talking about. It is, yeah. We're looking at minimum dosage and, you know, yeah. If you want, if you want to get fitter, obviously, you do a little bit more. But bottom line, that those are the numbers there. Okay. And... and the research that you've done in the past, those short, sharp measures that you train for, that sounds pretty much like what refereeing is all about. Those short, sharp yeah. days for different capacities, different miles. Is that the sort of package that you build into a, a, a pre-season thought process? Yeah, definitely. And, and I think, you know, you know, I've been very lucky in that I've worked fairly closely, certainly via email with uh, a chap called Matt Blair who runs the very very top level it looks after all the irb referees and he's very kindly let me in on some of their gps data um so certainly for the past three years i've been using that to drive my programs there and it, and as you've you know hit the nail on the head there it's it certainly shows it's an intermittent sport so making sure that that repeat speed ability that ability to you know sprint for six seconds take a little break approximately 20 seconds and to go again throughout the game is is paramount and can they handle that sort of what we call the chemical chaos you know that big lactate build up um the short sharp accelerations and decelerations um, making sure the guys can handle that because that's really what sort of places a massive demand on the human body and then if the human body is under stress and the human brain is under stress and you've got to make those decisions in the last sort of couple of minutes that's when you know maybe you start to take a different angle approach towards the ruck and you're more concerned about catching your breath than making that decision. So that's really what we try and do. Great. And some of the things that you were just talking about sound pretty much like the yo-yo test, which most people <laughs> listening to will be familiar with. Um, yeah. I, I, for one, in all my refereeing, um, the word bleep test struck the fear of God into me, and that might be reflected um, across many listeners. Can you just explain what the yo-yo test does and why it's a useful benchmark for us to be um, working on? Yeah, so the the yo-yo test, and there's there's several there's several types of yo-yo tests, but the one we use is the recovery uh, yo-yo recovery test level one, and that was a test designed by Jens Bangsberg, sort of particularly for football. But we've taken it to sort of start testing our referees simply because um, it's a test that assesses the referee's ability to do, perform repeated sprints with a short with a short rest period and the test itself is 10 seconds so basically what happens is we set two combs up 20 meters apart like with the bleep test the ref starts on a beep runs 20 meters turns on a beep and has to get back for the second shuttle which is again 20 meters within time for that third beep uh, then they get a 10 second rest and then they go again 
The difference between the yo-yo test uh, and the bleep test is obviously you've got your 10-second rest, but the speed at which uh, you've start to, you've got to start running between those cones is a lot, lot faster, and obviously the time you've got to run between those cones is a lot, lot shorter. So that the test is, even if you're pretty good, it's probably over in about 12, 13 minutes, whereas the bleep test is still really getting going at that sort of time. So it's a very quick test uh, and for those people listening who might be familiar with the bleep test that you start at zero and you keep yeah. going it goes up a level yeah. each time a couple maybe some levels you've got six shuttles before you go up a level the yeah. yo-yo test isn't like that is it it starts at a random number then jumps yeah. to another random number yeah. um slightly higher yeah it basically for, uh, off the top of my head i think it goes from like five kilometers an hour to nine kilometers an hour to 11 kilometers an hour uh, and then it moves very quickly up to 14, 15, 16. So it, it really is a very quick sort of jump there. Uh, and, and we'll make sure if anyone's wanting to, to have a go at the uh, the yo-yo for the first time, we'll put um, um, a version of it on rugbyreferee.net so you can download it, stick it on your uh, um, your own device, your MP3 player, MP4 yeah. player, and, um, and test it out. So it's really simple. You don't need all you need is 20 meters of space, 25 meters of space, um, yeah. and, two, and two cones. It's as straightforward as that. It's no no high tech equipment. Yeah. Cool. So we'll, we'll have that for you on the website um, if you want to download it and have a go. So what sort of levels, if people are aspiring, it's always difficult to have that conversation because it does put a bit of a fear factor into it. We know that there are elite levels that referees are aiming for at the at the top end. What what sort of level is that? So so I'm I'm informed uh, that that's going to come in. Anything over nineteen is acceptable. And that's at the very elite level. So that's very elite level. So that's their words. That's really sort of the cutoff point they're looking at there um, and, and, and that then, still reflects of about 11 12 minutes of, of high energy from a time yeah, of the test uh, off the top, yeah it sounds about right don't quote me on that yeah. but yeah roughly speaking it's going to be around those sort that sort of time about sort of maybe 2.2k at fast speeds you've got to be covering to, to hit those numbers Good. so yeah it's, it is is a big old demand and the, and the thing about that for for anyone listening who who is who does have a bit of a fear over fitness and a test of any description is that you you use it for your own benefit so if you're pre-season you're a new referee or you're, you've come to refereeing later in life um fit you're never going to aspire to those, those high levels i think yeah. doing a test and reaching whatever level you can get to and using that as your benchmark um, is a is a really good thing. So it doesn't matter that you're not going to get to 19. I think my days of hitting 19 on a yo-yo are well behind me. Um, but at whatever level you're at, doing a test of some description to set a benchmark that you can then track through a season, through pre-season, is, is really uh, a, a valuable exercise, no matter what level you might might be at. Definitely, and that's key for us within the London Society and you know within the RFU is, is that it's fitness for all. And as you rightly say, you know the first and foremost the thing we want we want referees to be healthy. Yeah, that that is that is the bottom line. Once they're healthy, then we can get them fit. And so, yeah, there is no shame in whatever score you get. Trust me, I've, I've tested all shapes and sizes. I've seen all scores, all sorts, all levels, all ages. Setting a setting a level yeah, and improving on it. Exactly, exactly. That's great. Um, one thing that we we can't have a conversation about fitness without talking at all about is, is diet. Um, yeah. What should people be thinking about? For, should referees be thinking about when it comes to diet whether it's just normal diet um pre-game diet during game that all that sort of thing what should we be thinking about i think first and foremost just, just keep it really simple it's 
you know, you want to be making sure. Certainly, if we're talking about game day, you want to make sure you have a good proper breakfast, and that incorporates some, just some complex carbohydrates um, to begin with. Things like your Weetabix, your porridge for your breakfast are absolutely perfect. Um, you even if you want to go with some fruits with some low-fat yogurt on top, that'd be perfect as well. Once you've got that good breakfast on board, and we're talking about kickoff time at about two o'clock, so you've had your breakfast about nine, you want to make sure you've topped up your hydration levels. Moving on to 11 o'clock, maybe another little top-up. Maybe you want to have some sort of like brunch, be it some sort of uh, peanut butter on some bagel or a sort of jam sandwich, something that's a little bit lighter. And then as you start to move towards kickoff, you can start thinking about maybe some, some sort of simple sort of sugars, be it you know, Haribo, Lucozase or something like that, just just a couple, just to keep those blood sugars topped up. So the sort of advice I really give people there is to follow something called the glycemic index. So each different types of food out within your supermarket has got a classification across this continuum with white sugar and white bread at one end, giving a score of about 100, and then your sort of your proteins and your vegetables further down the other end. So it really is starting off with the the sort of the glycemic index foods further down towards one. And then as you slowly in moderation again start to move towards kickoff, you're having a few more of those sort of sugar based foods. And, and, and the old theory about carb loading, I always used to think um, my standard as I was coming through Friday night was always pasta night. Is that yeah. myth? Is that reality? It's not certainly not myth, and I think it, it works for some people. But typically, I, I think if we're looking at below the elite level, most people certainly on a Friday tend to uh, uh, consume more than enough carbohydrates. I, I think to keep them ticking over uh, on, on match day. So I, I think the temptation is to start, you know, chowing down on lots of pasta. But I think if people start to look at their diets and as long as they're hitting those four meals a day before, typically they've got enough carbohydrates to keep them going. Um, but like with anything, um, you always want to give give something a, a try before you uh, do it on game day. So maybe a sunny preseason again. This is when we start to practice our nutritional strategies. So if you want to give carbohydrate loading a go, um, then yeah, give it a go on the Friday before you go in training, not on match day uh, on a Saturday, and see how it goes. And if it doesn't work don't do it go off and, and try something else or just keep it simple that's some good advice um and one thing that doesn't often crop up in this conversation but it's been key for me as i've been think as i've been thinking about is sleep um throughout my refereeing um i always found that i operated better when i'd know i'd had good sleep and it, it no i'd never really thought about it but how does sleep equate to better refereeing that's massive um it for me it can make or break a performance and this is the message we get through to the guys and girls um really trying to aim for you know that golden sort of magic eight hours sleep a night will really help the cognitive functioning the the, the following day um it, it will certainly help them you know handle players better um it will improve performance i mean there's plenty of information out there you know, to quote a few, Denton 2013 found a massive sort of reduction in cognitive functioning and increase in perception of fatigue when, you know, um, rugby players didn't sleep um, that magic eight hours. So, yeah, it really does make a huge, huge difference. Uh, and it, it's just a free supplement. I mean, you can buy all the supplements you want in the world. You can do all the training in the world. If you're not sleeping right, you really are 
missing out on a golden ticket there. It's just such an easy win. It really is. So is that, you said eight hours there. Is that uh, something eight. that everyone yeah. should normally be aiming for? Yeah. I mean, I, ideally, yeah, if, you, if you want to optimise performance, aim for that eight hours and, and play around with it. I mean, again, everything's individualised. Some people can live on off six, but yeah, once you start dropping below six, you're going to see a big old drop in performance physically and mentally. And I've come across referees and, and teams as I've been going through my career of, of people finding that having a nap in the morning as they start as part of their sort of pre-game prep work for them I, yeah. I, it wasn't something I ever did um, apart from if, it, if there was a long drive involved and I had an early start does, does a yeah. na- can a nap help? Yeah definitely I, I think again you know look, looking at top teams out there and the sort of the advice that they've been making public they've been using their athletes so British Cycling is a classic they utilise that strategy you just mentioned there so uh, a 20 minute super nap between you know between stages or events you know has actually been shown to sort of really improve their performance there and you know it doesn't necessarily even have to be 20 minutes even 10 minutes has been shown to have a massive improvement um so yeah, it's again, it's it's an easy win. Everyone can sleep. Another another thing to fit in the armory. Exactly. Yeah. So that, there's been some really good advice that you've given there, Ross. If, if anybody is sort of thinking about um, wanting a program, looking into a program, where can they hunt you out to to find more information? Yeah, I'm across most platforms. So again, I'm on Twitter, Ross Hanbury. Um, there, I'm on Instagram. Uh, YouTube, I've, I've pinged a few things up there, a few videos of some of the sessions we've been speaking about, and then my website, so handbytraining.com. Cool. So, we'll yeah, put the, those links in the show notes um, for, for anyone. Um, and Ross has done some guides for us through um, rugbyreferee.net. So if you go to the fitness tab on, on the website, there's some um, stuff there, and we're working on uh, some of the guides that Ross has already got to make those available for you to download as well, and that'll be coming in the next um, couple of weeks for those of you starting pre-season training in the summer hemisphere probably ready for, for you guys um, in the north there's plenty of information out there Ross thank you very much for joining us on the Advantage Over podcast it's been a great Pleasure. guest thanks for sharing that those pearls of advice and um, we look forward to helping creating better re- referees out there with some of those tips yeah good no problem at all Thanks for listening to the Advantage Over podcast from RugbyReferee.net. We hope you've enjoyed the content that we brought to you this week. What we'd really appreciate is your likes, rates and reviews, wherever it is you found it, whether that's iTunes or Stitcher Radio or TuneIn. Please head over there and leave us a review. We really do appreciate those. Um, We'd also um, ask you to tell your referee colleagues, friends, community um, about this podcast This is the only Rugby Referee podcast out there, um, so we hope to get to more earbuds um, over time. We'd also love your feedback um, and your suggestions and your comments, so please let us have them. Um, You can either email us at ref at advantageoverpodcast.com or you can find us through the rugbyreferee.net website um, or through Twitter at rugbyrefereenet, which is the same handle you'll find on Instagram as well. We're in all those places, so please do let us know what you think, let us know what you want, um, and how we can help you become better referees in the future. So for now, that is Advantage Over. <laughs>